Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning to wherever you are tuning in from in the world. Thank you for joining us for this GLF live session. My name is Natasha Elkington, and I'll be your host and moderator for today, where the topic of our conversation is banking on our future with seeds. Um, so what we're going to be talking about is about seed banks and seed repositories, also known as gene banks, that mitigate the risks of future food crises by ensuring a healthy, stable, and diverse variety of crops that will be available when we most need them. The problem is many of the world's more than 1,700 um, gene banks are vulnerable to natural disasters, war, social unrest, infrastructure issues, or a simple lack of funds. <clears throat> so joining me today are two experts who are going to be talking to us about seeds and grains, gene banks, and how long-term funding and collaboration can help protect uh, crop diversity and the food supply of the future. So please welcome Dr. Sarada Krishnan, Director of Programs at the Global Crop Diversity Trust. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Professor Michael Aberton, um, Director of R4D in West Africa, also the Head of Genetic Resources Center at the IITA, the International Institute of Tropical Agriculture based in Ibadan, Nigeria. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I hope I got all the words right and said everything correctly. <laughs> Thank you. So why don't we just jump in, I guess, um, with um, Sarada, and maybe just tell us a bit about your position and, you know, and your organization and what you do. Just give our audience a bit of a summary. Okay, yeah, thanks, Natasha. Thanks for having me today. And I'm the director of programs with the Global Crop Diversity Trust. And the mission of the Global Crop Diversity Trust is to ensure that a crop diversity is conserved and made available for the future forever and also in, at a global scale. So we play a very unique role in the ex situ conservation of uh, crop genetic resources. And what we do is, the way we do it is by providing, a, we have a long-term financing model that provides funding for critical gene bank operations. And we also provide technical support to strengthen uh, the key pillars of the global system of uh, gene banks. And we also do uh, what we do also raise awareness among public and private sector uh, stakeholders about the importance of gene banks and conserving crop diversity. Great. Thank you. Over to you, Professor Michael. Okay. Thank you very much. So IITA is the International Institute for Tropical Agriculture. It has its headquarters in Ibadan, Nigeria, but it works across uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. And it's actually part of a wider consortium called the CGIAR. So we're really focused on agricultural research for development, on poverty alleviation, and obviously on uh, addressing uh, malnutrition. So within IITA, I am the head, as you said, of the Genetic Resources Center or the Gene Bank. So we first of all conserve some of the major crops of Sub-Saharan Africa cassava, yams, uh, bananas and plantains, cowpea, soybean and maize. So we conserve that diversity and we really try and also facilitate the use of that diversity. Beautiful. Complicated but very simplified. Thank you. So, so could you just share with us then, you know, why, why are seed banks becoming increasingly more and more important to, you know, create, conserve, protect um, at this point in where we are in humanity's timeline on this planet. Okay, shall I go first? 
Perfect. Um, so I, I think that we all know that we have some major challenges. Um, we have climate change, of course, that we need to adapt to as well as to try and mitigate. We have loss of biodiversity. And we have also, of course, these problems of, um, of poverty and malnutrition in, in many parts of the world, including many parts of, of Africa. Now, those challenges mean that we are facing new threats, for example, and we're, we're basically seeing it on the news every day now about droughts, about floods, uh, that type of thing I think people are becoming familiar with. Uh, the other thing I would mention is that climate change and the movement of people around the world is also bringing more threats from pests and diseases which are moving into new habitats, and we're seeing some very clear examples of that. So that all points to the need to, first of all, conserve the diversity of our major crops, to have a good system in place um, for doing that, which includes international, national gene banks, other forms of seed storage, a good system in place, and also a good means of really facilitating the use. So for example, we have more than 15,000 different types of cowpea in the IITA gene bank. Uh, we have cowpea breeding programs. Cowpea is a very important legume for Sub-Saharan Africa. We have breeding programs, but they cannot utilize uh, effectively 15,000 different types. So we have to do what we can by characterization, by work at the DNA level, to put together much smaller subsets, which are, you know, give them the best chance, if you like, of finding something, finding some genes which are going to be useful for drought tolerance and for heat tolerance and for some of these other threats that we face. Wow. So, so where are we in, in, the, in terms of, you know, protecting seeds, like globally, um, looking at all these threats and extreme weathers and where, where, where we are right now, are we in a good position, you would say, or are we, is there a long way to go at the moment in terms of, you know, the vulnerability? Where would you say we are at? Yeah, Radi, yeah I'll leave that one to you, yeah. Oh, over to me. Okay, yes, I think we still have a lot of work ahead of us uh, because we have the international uh, gene banks, which is IITA is part of the CG system, and the international mm -hmm. gene banks, but they have these mandate crops. Those are the big crops that they're conserving. But there are so many within uh, the countries itself, there are so many crops that are very locally, culturally important that have grown that are not in those big international gene banks. So those have to be conserved in the national gene banks. So every country has their own gene bank and where they can they conserve the locally relevant crops. So, and a lot of the national gene banks are uh, resource poor and poorly uh, funded. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the uh, material that are in these gene banks are at high risk of being lost. And so, yes, so we have a long ways to go in ensuring that all the gene banks are up to standards and conserving at these standards. Right. So is there like a global, um, like, like umbrella that takes, the, that makes sure that these gene, gene banks are in order? Is this what you guys, you're, you're trying to create now, these collaborations and long-term partnership agreements to ensure this? Yeah, that's what the Crop Trust does, is work, we work with the CG centers. So we have an endowment fund that provides funding for the basic, uh, the essential operations of a gene bank. And through, uh, through projects with funding that we get separately that go, does not go into the endowment fund, we have projects with 
uh, our national partners. We work with the National Agriculture Research System to uh, ensure that the uh, that we build capacity through uh, quality management system training, information system training, and as well as um, uh, uh, capacity building through um, some equipment and infrastructure uh, development and providing training to staff on how to conserve. And also, so that's how where we are working through projects we work with our national partners. So there is a lot, I mean, we have so many national gene banks uh, but it is one step at a time. So what we call the Global Gene Bank Partnership. So through our Global Gene Bank Partnership, we also work with, uh, we also work with uh, Michael and his, the IITA, because for a lot of uh, the Nigerian National Gene Bank that we are working with, the, uh, the IITA is a local resource that they have that, uh, uh, because there is so much knowledge and expertise at IITA, and so we can utilize that to provide training to National Gene Bank. So within that, African region. Great. And I guess why I'm speaking to you today is because, you know, the, the approach that you're taking is, you know, it's, show, it's proving to be successful and favorable in terms of conserving and protecting um, these gene banks. Do you want to tell us a bit more um, on that? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I'll turn it to Michael or to us? Whoever, whoever feels like jumping in and thinks yeah. they want to. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. Let, let me say something. I think, yes, I think we have um, as Suada was saying, within the CG, yeah, we have a we have a system which is basically conserving, making accessible uh, the major staple crops of the, of the world between the different centres. Uh, we do a lot of distribution to to all manner of of partners um, who are doing breeding, either within the CG, outside, other researchers, etc. Um, but of course, you know, there's always a need to to be able to to keep that investment going, to keep that awareness of the necessity of these things um, going. You know, there's always you know there's always that danger of of really uh, not being able to keep up with the with the demands that we have. So we need that investment to be to be coming. And as Serrata says, we also need to. To be able to do more, the vast majority of crops are conserved by by national um, gene banks. You know, not by the not by the CG. We work with a number within Western Central Africa. We have a network with ourselves, with some other CG centres and national gene banks. There's a need for investment. You know, the, the national governments themselves also need to be actually investing more into these uh, resources because they are important for the future of agriculture in their own in their own countries of course and you know we have to realize and i think it's, it's probably in some ways that you know those biodiversity aspects um, which are actually crucial um, to to the future of of our food production that that loss of biodiversity that we're seeing is not being given the same attention as for example climate change but they are actually two sides of the same coin in a way in that they have that interaction and they do both affect you know very severely the future in terms of agriculture in terms of food production yeah because i was just going to ask like you know what is the interest out there in terms of investors you know and, and governments you know with seed bags like you know 
this whole crisis that we're in, you know, we we were all in it. It's like we're in the eye of the storm or we're right in the middle of the volcano. Everything is burning. We can see it's happening all around us. Um, it looks like, you know, corporations might be taking advantage of the situation. Right now there's a greenwashing. There's a lot of chaos going on at the moment, but I think we need to be level-headed and think about things um, more simplified. So what is what is the, you know, reaction or engagement from, you know, investors or governments in terms of, you know, protecting seed banks? And gene banks, is it, you know, maybe you can tell me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, funding is always the hard thing, right? Because there are so many competing priorities. And for a donor to have to prioritize something, and a lot of the donors want to see direct impact. And when it comes to conservation, it's conservation of seeds, which uh, it's for the long term. It's not immediate. Because, I mean, without the conservation of seeds, you're not going to where I mean, the potential for uh, looking for genes that are adapted to climate change for drought, uh, drought tolerance or pest or disease resistance, because without those genetic resources, you're not going to have that pipeline for breeding programs. And so but then people want immediate results. And so that has been the challenge in raising funds. And so we have a campaign to raise our endowment fund because we want to fund all the gene banks, but until we get funds into the endowment fund, we are not able to give the money that we want to, to all the gene banks. So yeah, we, we have started a campaign. Uh, we will be starting a campaign soon to raise ex, uh, uh, additional money to our endowment fund. So hopefully uh, once all the international gene banks, all the essential operations are covered, we can then start funding all the national gene banks as well. Great. I mean, like, I mean, because I think when we spoke earlier, just in terms maybe to give our audience um, uh, direct examples of where gene banks have worked, you know, like why, you know, why, why are you pushing to conserve this? Um, like you said, you can't show it immediate action. But like, like I, I interviewed um, Eliane Balijoro, this uh, DG for um, C4 the other day, and she was telling me about, you know, the Rwanda genocide and how, you know, it was the seed banks, you know, conserving those that actually helped them, you know, in the future. Um, I don't know, maybe you could give us more examples, you know, just for our audience, just to understand, you know, why we're sitting here talking about seed banks and gene banks and why is it important, like, you know, for them to directly identify with it. Yeah, sure. So I think the, the key thing is that diversity, as I mentioned. It is being used now, for example, within uh, the, the breeding programs to produce new varieties, which are more climate resilient, more nutritious. Um, you know, there are good examples of, as I said, pests and diseases which have moved around, fall armyworm into West Africa, a major threat to maize, maize lethal necrosis in East Africa. Likewise, where this variety, where this diversity has been uh, required, um, we were also involved in sort of post-COVID uh, recovery in a number of uh, countries within West Africa. Again, supplying some of that material which was needed. Uh, so that's gene bank material, but also material from the breeders that was needed uh, to restart agriculture in the past. We've had severe flooding again. Some parts of Nigeria and had to supply. So I think those are all ongoing. Uh, the key thing is to be able to really conserve effectively and in a very good condition um, that diversity to be able to keep it in in different places so it's not so much threatened by being in one place and to do everything we can to make it more available for use by really 
doing a very good job in terms of characterizing it, in terms of putting it into, into subsets, so it's there. And we work very closely uh, with a number of the breeders um, to achieve that. So there is, in, in a lot of cases, this requirement for, for diversity going into the, the breeding program. So I think that's, that's really the key to it. We don't know what exactly is going to come along in the future. We can work with the climate change models. We can show that, you know, drought in the north of Nigeria, of course, going into the to the Sahel. And when we think about those those regions, we can see the importance of being able to develop a more resilient agriculture. You only have to look on the news of those countries in the region of the of, of the Sahel, uh, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, that, you know, we, we need to do everything we can to be able to develop the agriculture that we have in those in those regions. So I think this is all this is all part of what we need to do. It's about conserving that diversity and harnessing the diversity. And also thinking about, you know, the other crops. So in, in, in the gene bank here in IITA, we have a number of what we call underutilized crops. Sometimes people talk about orphan crops, um, which have a lot they are grown in Africa. They have a lot more potential. We can think of Bambara groundnut. African yam bean, wing bean, they have a lot more potential to develop systems. We need to be thinking about the systems which are going to be more climate resilient and also more nutritious because those are the two real main uh, challenges that we have. And maybe more specifically, I can give a couple of uh, specific examples uh, through yeah. our Crop Wild Relatives project, which we ran for 10 years, which has now become the BOLD project. Uh, so uh, we uh, collected and conserved uh, wild relatives of our crops, um, uh, many different species in uh, gene banks. And one of them, one of the uh, results of that project was the release of a Durham wheat variety in collaboration with Icarda uh, Gene Bank, which is a sister gene bank to one of the CG centers in Morocco and Lebanon. Uh, it's called the Jabal wheat variety, which was just released uh, last year. And it is uh, one of the highly drought tolerant. It has a wild relative from Syria, the genes from wild, uh, Syrian wild relative that was incorporated into this wheat variety. And it was in farmer trials before it was released. Uh, there were three years of farmer trials that were done where farmers were able to uh, look at the results of the uh, <clears throat> growth potential of this uh, specific variety. And in farmer trials, um, serendipitously, it so happened that the three years that it was in the field, it were, they were all drought years. And of all the varieties that were planted, this was the one that survived. Mm -hmm. And so that made farmers immediately adopt because it also has to be when you do research, have to have right. farmer participatory research. So that way uh, you get the buy-in from farmers because rather than you develop a variety and give it to the farmers, you need to make sure that they are involved along the way uh, for uh, easy adoption. And another example is a potato variety called methyled potato through the SIP gene bank developed in collaboration with the SIP gene bank utilizing another wild relative of potato. And that is highly resistant to early blight of potato, a late, blight, late blight of potato, which as you may know, was the one that uh, caused the Irish potato famine. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that one is uh, resistant. So utilizing uh, genes from the wild relatives of our crop ones, 
developing new varieties uh, uh, to so this is uh, this is the whole potential of crop diversity, utilizing awesome. them to develop uh, new resistances or tolerances. Great. So then I guess, you know, like we have a cool question from the audience, you know, asking about the, you know, the other side of the coin in terms of, you know, how about cloning crops? You know, are, are these ongoing projects? So the opposite side of uh, using our relatives, uh, making different uh, offspring. How, 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 does, how does that tie into this whole crop diversity conversation? Well, cloning, I think, I mean, uh, but by cloning, uh, you know, there are two, diff, uh, the way to look, uh, I mean, not all crops can be conserved as seeds. So there yeah. are the sweet potatoes and potatoes, they have to be conserved clonally. So then uh, you propagate them clonally and you conserve them. So I'm not sure if the, uh, with the question was on the conservation of clonal crops. I don't know, it's just like, how about clone crops? Are they a, yeah. an, an ongoing project? That was it. Let me say, Natasha, again, in, in uh, Nigeria, we have very major crops which are, as Sir Adam said, clonally propagated. If you think of cassava, that's propagated through the stem, yam, uh, through the tuber, banana. So we are conserving those, but not as seed. So they are conserved in the field, but also as tissue culture, and increasingly also in, in what we call the cryobank. That's very, very, very low temperature conservation for the, for the long term. So yes, we mustn't think that everything is is, is seed, most of the crops and most of the gene banks in the world, yes, most of it is seed, but we also have these these clonal crops where we are conserving the actual clone um, of those and not and not seed. And that's an important part of what we uh, what we are doing because many of these are actually very important uh, crops and they're also important less important but still important root and tuber crops as well. Um, so I think that's that's something that we need to bear in mind, yes. Um, I did have a question though, just you know, for some of us who are not in the field understanding how these gene banks work. Is it what are the cost of putting these gene banks up? Does it just vary with the type of seeds you're collecting or like is it like, you know, because <clears throat> does every country have them? Like what's is it a simple thing to do? Or <clears throat> uh, so <laughs> well, it is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it does vary by uh, how elaborate your G seed bank is. I mean, uh -huh. for basically, you need freezer. So you need a medium-term freezer and a long-term freezer. So the long-term is once you put it in there, you only take it every few years to ensure that the viability of the seeds is still, uh, it's still viable. Mm -hmm. So, and then the medium-term is where you then distribute because you always, gene banks, the main purpose of the gene bank is to make sure that you're distributing the seeds to users because the seeds need to be used. So you have the yeah. uh, long-term and the medium-term conservation. And then also what you have to do is every, the seeds are not going to live forever. They have a certain period of viability. And so you need to test the viability of seeds every five years or whatever the, for each crop it varies. And uh, so you need facilities to do the viability testing and you need field uh, to do regeneration. So if the viability is lo lower than 85%, then you need to take the seeds out and regenerate. So you have to take it to the field, grow them out, and then collect the seeds and then put them back. And so mm -hmm. it's not a museum. Like Don't think of uh, seed banks as museums, where you put the seed and you forget about it in the freezer and that's it. No, because it is a, 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 
uh, it's always alive and it's a process that you need to be always doing. So if you have so if you have thousands of accessions, so you have to have a periodic testing because you can't put all thousand in the field to regenerate at the same time. So you have to have planning to go with it. Yeah, well, a lot just of to add, I think the key thing is, you know, Gene Bank's a lot of project, you know, there has to be sustainability. There has to be that um, long-term investment. That's the whole nature of, of, of a seed bank, you know, it has to be long-term. Um, we, we are dealing with, with some um, gene banks, seed banks in, in Africa where this is a major issue and some of the some of those basic things are actually difficult to achieve in terms of reliable power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there are challenges there, but there has to be that sustainability. And the other thing I want to mention is, you know, the, the data side is very important. So we're getting data on these on these, uh, you know, the, the different what we call accessions, the different types of, of seed, etc., that's in there, and that's also very, very important. We're getting data from where it comes from, the characterizing it. That again is part of what makes it useful. So the whole data uh, side and bringing in the use when we start to get data on the DNA level differences, that's important for to to give more information. Um, to requesters, to people who want the germplasm. So we can be, if you like, more helpful to them in terms of what they might need to use this for. Great. I mean, I guess we're coming We're coming to the end of our chat. Um, we're learning all about seeds and gene banks. And like, I don't know if there's anything you think that's important that we haven't covered that you'd like our audience to know about, you know, the work you do and why they should know it's important, <laughs> you know? Of the hard work that you're putting into, you know, save and conserve these gene banks. I think, uh, I mean, uh, the seeds, uh, this crop diversity is the fundamental uh, for any crop improvement. It is fundamental that the, we tap into this crop diversity. So it is so important that we conserve this crop diversity. And to conserve it, we need funding. So I think uh, the important thing is it is the basic need of our food system, our agri-food system, the basic need is the crop diversity and the conservation of that crop diversity. Great, thank you. Over to you, Professor Michael. Yeah, I think, course, I, I, I agree with that. That is a diversity that is, that is crucial um, for the future. You know, these threats are only becoming stronger in terms of, of climate change, in terms of the loss of biodiversity, in terms of the need to actually, you know, increase uh, productivity in a lot of cases, but without having any detrimental effects on the environment, on soils, etc. So most certainly, we are going to need the seed that's in these gene banks even more in the future, and we're going to need to develop uh, better, more modern approaches to actually getting at that variation and utilizing it. So are you hopeful with the for the future, like with, with the current status quo that you're in right now, right? with the work that's currently going on? <laughs> or does it look like we're all just going to be, we're hoping we get there. <laughs> it's a long drag. And it's a collaborative effort. You know, it's not right. just the gene banks working on their own with funding from the crop trust, but it is like public sector or private sector farmers, research community, civil society, we need all of us to be involved 
in this endeavor to ensure that we protect this crop diversity? I mean, I think it's 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 um, it's difficult in a way. We appreciate that, you know, many governments they have so many calls on their on their budget, but um, yes, we can be hopeful. I think we need to see um, governance investing more in their seed banks with the support, and they can get from the from the crop trust with the help from the CG centres. But we actually need to see. Um, more sustainable funding. As I said, it's not a project. It needs to be a, a plan for the funding into the future. Great. I have one last question from our audience. Um, well, two. Uh, one is, how can we make sure that the genetic resources are distributed following the values of fairness and equality? And then the last one is, how do gene banks connect with the regener regenerative agriculture movement? Maybe I can give you one and one, and then we can end there. The first one is, awesome. how can we make sure that genetic resources are distributed following the values of fairness and equality? Good question. Um, yeah, I can say something briefly. Um, you know, the, the, the gene banks, uh, for example, the ones we have within the, the CGIAR, we operate under something called the International Treaty, Plant Genetic Resources for Food and Agriculture. I don't have time to go into too much of that, but that's, that's a very important instrument, if you like, of policy, which says how we can go about the exchange of, of material and how some of that benefit can actually go back to the to the farmers, because that is a very important question that the farmers have been custodians of this diversity for, for thousands of years. They need to see some benefit. So there is. It's not it's not perfect, it's still evolving. But there is a system there under the international treaty that uh, we follow. For example, all all our uh, seed goes goes entirely free to the to the requester for their use, uh, connected with food security. Um, the data goes along uh, with it. So, uh, but they, there's a sort of requirement also to keep that to keep that going, to keep it open. So there is there has been a lot of concern for those issues. As I say, it's not perfect and the system is still evolving. Great. Thank you. I guess for you, Sarada, you can maybe this last question. How do gene banks connect with the regenerative agriculture movement? Oh, <clears throat> because, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, I mean, used in breeding programs. Uh, mm -hmm. If you develop a, 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 a disease tolerant variety, uh, it's you're going to be using lesser chemicals or pesticides in the crop. And yeah. uh, so I think uh, so through the potential, the diversity that is conserved, it can actually benefit the regenerative agriculture uh, movement uh, by harnessing this diversity you can develop and also diversifying your crops in the field, not just uh, one crop, but utilizing. I think regenerative agriculture is about multiple crops in the field and uh, so the crop diversity also it not, not only the diversity within a crop but also the diversity of crops so when you use um uh what do you call for regenerative agriculture to build the soil nutrition using a leguminous crop so that way there is nitrogen fixation in the soil and using that as uh, in crop rotations so I think mm -hmm. a lot of the principles of regenerative agriculture really fit into the conserving crop diversity because there, there you can have 
different crops for different purposes and also yes. multiple uses of crops. And, you know, there are sometimes you uh, plant what you call like with the between rows, uh, these crops that divert insects or pests. And so mm -hmm. that is all crop diversity. So I think it fits in very well with the regenerative agriculture model. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Is there anything else you guys want to add? When we have like one minute left uh, on our interesting discussion, I have to say I've really learned a lot. Um, because not being a scientist or an expert <laughs> in this uh, field of seed banks, but it's still, you know, very important and a very interesting topic. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I think we need to do all we can, Natasha, to, to really raise awareness. Of all right. these issues, the role of gene banks and the wider, uh, wider issue of, of agrobiodiversity, the biodiversity of crops, and the wider uh, biodiversity as well. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, I guess we I wish we had more time to talk more about you know, seed banks, but um, I think I think we did cover a lot, and I hope our audience um, they it will be reproduced later on and you know spread around social media and different channels again, so it'll be available. But really, thank you for your time.